Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to another episode of Psychedelicast. I'm Clinton Cayley, your host. Thank you for joining us. We've got a fantastic interview for you today, a segment featuring Dave Hodges, the founder of the Church of Ambrosia out of Oakland. Uh, Dave is a cannabis patient, a high-dose psilocybin explorer, a plant medicine activist, and founder of Oakland's first and only mushroom church. Uh, As far as I'm aware, America's first and only mushroom church. Uh, in this episode, we'll discuss his life leading him to these mushroom experiences, uh, his work with cannabis, the early founding of both mushroom and cannabis churches, his legal battles both domestic and abroad, and what it's like to consume 30 grams of psilocybin mushrooms in a single session. Let's get into it after some housekeeping. Thanks, guys. Guys, I've brought this to your attention uh, in earlier episodes, but our Instagram account, which I spent years working on and actually worked quite hard to build, uh, was deactivated at around 2,700 followers. We are trying to rebuild an Instagram following as we appeal the decision to try and reactivate our accounts. Follow us on Instagram at PsychedelicastPod. You can also follow us on Facebook at Psychedelicast or on Twitter at Psychedelicast with two Ts. Um, If you're following us on social media, that's the best way to stay informed about the show, updates, memes, uh, articles pertaining to science, medicine, psychedelics, cannabis, all things trippy. Um, Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the show and what's going on in the psychedelic world. I'm pretty active on social media. I think you'll find our accounts to be informative and interesting. Uh, Beyond that, we do have a Patreon group uh, for you guys to join, Psychedelicast Psychonauts. It's very reasonably priced at $3 a month. You're going to get a lot of extra content for your $3, several extra episodes a month. Those include the no-trip sitters, which are generally more personal. Um, They sometimes describe my own psychedelic experiences. Um, I'm going to post one of those in conjunction with this for my Patreon patrons only. $3 a month gets you the opportunity to come on the show, tell your own psychedelic stories, be a part of a small but growing community of psychonauts um, and consciousness explorers and psychedelic enthusiasts. Um... You're going to get all kinds of, of, of good content for $3. I think we're offering a really good value for your buck, and I don't think many other podcasts, let alone psychedelically-centric uh, podcasts, are doing anything like this, especially not allowing people to come on to the show and, uh, and tell their own stories. So I encourage you to do that, www.patreon.com slash psychedelicast. That is where you can join. Check us out there on Patreon. Become a Psychedelicast Psychonaut today. And if you're listening to this podcast, it would be a huge help if you would uh, subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Drop us some, drop us a review. Leave us some love. Put some stars on it. We're available on all major platforms. So subscribe on whichever platform you are most uh, familiar with and whichever one you prefer. You should be able to find our show anywhere. Share the show on social media. Share with your friends and family. Let's grow and support this project. I know that many of you already do. Thank you so much for that. To my psychedelic cast psychonauts, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for uh, 
for your monetary support and for you know giving me another reason to continue this project because a lot of a lot of the time when I don't feel like editing episodes when I don't feel like recording when I don't feel like interviewing um, I think about you guys and I know that I have to be consistent and uh, deliver good content for you so thank you guys so much let's move on for those of you interested in my day-to-day -day life uh, you can follow that a little more closely if you care about that if you don't I totally understand and I don't blame you um, but I'm still here in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I almost made an impromptu trip back to Houston, Texas this week. We had kind of a rough day here, and uh, I had thoughts of escape. And uh, I actually went to the airport, but did not make my flight. And I'm glad that I didn't. Um, being out on the road and being here in Brazil is not always easy, but it is uh, valuable. And I've fallen in love with someone here, and uh, we're doing our best to make it work. Um, I discuss these kinds of personal things a little bit more in depth in my No Trip Sitter episodes and with my, psychode my Psychedelicast Psychonaut Patreons. Um, if you care to follow along with my personal life, um, you can join us there and we'll get a little more in depth with that. All that being said, thanks again for joining us. Let's jump into Psychedelic News and then we will do our interview with Dave Hodges, Church of Ambrosia. Thanks a lot, guys. So we've got an interesting article to offer you today. This one coming from Market Insider, which is kind of an odd selection for the show. Uh, but I do dabble in day trading with crypto. Uh, so this is interesting to me. Article is entitled, The First Ever Psychedelics ETF Will Launch Next Week, Backed by a Canadian Fund Manager. This article was written by Emily Grafeo on January 22nd, 2021. The Horizon Psychedelic Stock Index ETF, or PSYK, will begin trading on the NEO exchange next Wednesday. The first ever psychedelic ETF will begin trading on the Can Canadian NEO exchange next Wednesday, giving investors exposure to publicly traded companies focused on the development of therapeutic solutions that utilize psychedelics. Canada-based Horizons ETF management announced Friday that it's filed its final prospectus to launch the Horizon Psychedelic Stock Index ETF. PSYK will be the world's first exchange-traded fund, that's what ETF stands for, focused on the emerging psychedelic opportunity led by life science and pharmaceutical companies, Horizon ETFs said Friday. Small studies have found that psychedelic compounds such as psilocybin, when administered in a clinical setting, have the potential to reduce symptoms of anxiety, depression, addiction, and post-traumatic stress disorder. PSYK will track the North American Psychedelic Stock Index, which is owned and operated by Horizon ETFs. German-based Solactive AG is the independent calculation agent for this index. Horizon's ETF launched the world's first cannabis-focused ETF in 2017, and CEO Stephen Hawkins says he sees many similarities between that industry in 2017 and the psychedelic industry today. After decades of restrictions, recent policy changes and exemptions in Canada and the United States have allowed for increased research in the therapeutic application of psychedelic compounds and the potential to create an entirely new marketplace for drugs derived from psychedelics, said Stephen Hawkins, president and CEO of Horizons ETF. In November 2020, Oregon became the first U.S. state to legalize psilocybin for therapeutic use. Proponents of the legislation say the bill will open the door for more research into psilocybin's therapeutic benefits. But researchers say state-level legislation won't make their efforts easier and legalization is moving faster than science. 
So, uh, kind of an off-kilter article for the show, but uh, like I said, I dabble in trading, and uh, it's information we need. We need. Is it kind of scary? Yes. Um, once again, we're seeing the capitalization of the psychedelic experience. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, part of me thinks yes, it is, because we're going to have science to back up what most of us already know from personal experience. And we're going to have a greater availability of these medicines for people who need them. So I see some positives, but I also see some scary uh, aspects of that. All that being said, let's move into our interview with Dave Hodges of Church of, of the Church of Ambrosia to discuss high-dose psilocybin, to discuss psychedelic legality, and to discuss his own ongoing legal battles in the U.S. and abroad. Fascinating character. Um super excited to have him on the show let's get into it So we're visited today on Psychedelicast by Mr. Dave Hodges of the Church of Ambrosia. Um, I've been kind of following you for a, a couple months now. Um, a former guest of my show mentioned your name and mentioned some of the stuff that you were into. And so I kind of went down a rabbit hole of like researching who you were and, and your exploits. And uh, I found it quite uh, interesting myself. So uh, there's, I have, I have some questions I like to ask you, but uh, before I start asking questions, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself to listeners if, if you don't well, mind? I'm curious, who was the other guest? The guest who mentioned you, his name was Col- His name is Colin Wells. Um, he he does a veteran outreach program uh, called Veterans Walk and Talk, and okay. he he does a lot of stuff with microdosing and his, his deal is kind of like uh, taking veterans out into the, into nature, uh, delivering micro doses. And I'm assuming macro doses if they're feeling that vibe and uh, kind of facilitating just uh, like a nature walk microdosing session. Um, and so he mentioned you in respect to your high dose uh, psilocybin experimentation like basically he was like, dude, I just, I've been following this guy on Instagram and he's doing like these massive doses of mushrooms and boil them into this, this blue Smurf juice. And, uh, so I was like, yeah, let me check this out. <laughs> for sure. For your, yeah, I'm definitely on the opposite side of the microdose. I mean, the yeah. microdoses are, you know, they help a lot of people, but there's a lot of other uses. But anyway, just just to give you a little bit of background, um, I run a church called the Church of Ambrosia. We have a branch in Oakland called Zydor, 
Um, Zydor was raided last year, uh, August of uh, 2020. Um, and we're, we're open again, but we're in the middle of setting up a lawsuit um, against the Oakland PD who raided us. Um, but what I do is uh, provide access for people to this valuable. We've got a vacuum there. Um, and I, I lost. Low flying helicopter. It ha I'm in Sao Paulo, Brazil, so weird shit goes on here, man. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you know, I, I we have a church that provides access, and I personally, um, about once a month, do a high dose of between 15 and 30 grams um, to try to understand religion and reality. That sounds like a good way to like not understand anything, man. No, I'm just uh, that. I mean, uh, no, I, I find it fascinating, you guys. Who and I want to talk about all your legal stuff because the the high dose mushroom was what made me aware of you and your work. But then as I like went through more of your portfolio online, I was like, okay, this guy's doing some other really cool stuff too. Um, but uh, I, I listened to guys like Kalindi Ee. Or however you pronounce his last name, and the and actually my my last guest right before you is a martial artist named Jason Toshi, and he does he wrote a manual for preparation for high dose psilocybin experiences geared specifically towards psilocybin, um, but even his high dose is like in the ten to fifteen gram range, um, which is still un and for my understanding an ungodly dose because i've taken i think my largest single dose at once was five and then i think i ate four more throughout the next few hours so i probably consumed nine grams with the full force of like five grams and that was just so uh astonishing i just can't imagine going deeper but then i drank ayahuasca later on in life and that was even more so astonishing so i was like okay there are le levels of magnitude even beyond five grams um okay. but there's the a lot beyond five grams you know and, and actually the, <clears throat> the interesting thing that you said about your other guest is 10 to 15. 15 um seems to be a pretty much universal threshold where you start really seeing entities coming into the space. Um, but let, let me give you the background of how I ended up taking 30 grams of mushrooms. Yes, please do. Uh, I never thought I would be somebody that would be taking these large doses um, like this at all. I mean, I when I started, I, I had no awareness of high dose mushrooms whatsoever. So mm -hmm. um, Little background of the church. We started as a cannabis church uh, in January of 2019. Um, shortly after Decrim Nature passed their law in Oakland that decriminalized or made lowest priority all entheogenic plants. Um, I looked at the law and I said, wow, you know, entheogenic means for religious use. And here we are, a church. So obviously, this is kind of a sign that we need to bring in other plants that, that I've always supported, but I, you know, we, we hadn't actually brought in. Mm -hmm. um, looking at what Oakland laid out, um, aboga, ayahuasca, peyote, and mushrooms, the only one that's really safe for people to use on their own by themselves is mushrooms. 
You know, the, the other ones, I mean, Iboga is one of the most powerful ones, but you really need medical treatment before and after. Mm-hmm. Um, ayahuasca, the vomiting, you really need a shaman to, one, physically guide you, but also guide you through the, the songs that they do. And mm-hmm. then um, peyote or mescaline, the, the issue with mescaline is, especially on the high doses, there have been reports of people being under the influence for literally weeks Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's not, you, you, we don't really want somebody wandering mm-hmm. around open, tripping out on mescaline for a couple of weeks. I mean, just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of those things, mushrooms made the most sense. Um, I had, I, I'd never tried mushrooms before, but it was something that I was really drawn to. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a long story behind all this, but at Burning Man the year before, I had actually told uh, my friend Rick Doblin that I was ready to try psychedelics and I wanted to try mushrooms, thinking uh-huh. that we were going to do it next year at Burning Man. And instead, I ended up in a situation where, well, here's my church and we got to start providing them. So I decided yeah. I had to. I had so to understand that. Let me let me just clarify for myself. You had never taken mushrooms prior to January 2019? No. But prior Ooh, to, shit. <laughs> I, I'd say July of 2019 was probably the first time I, I tried them. Uh, okay. Wow. And it was just kind of a, a, a really weird roller coaster. So the, the first first time I ever tried them, I did two grams. Um, I saw, you know, the psychedelic effects that people are used to. And it was kind of fun. Um, and, and I was like, okay, well, these aren't so scary. Um I guess I need to do five grams because here I am in a church and everybody talks about the heroic dose. So a few weeks later, letting my tolerance uh, clear out, I did five grams and, you know, intense experience, but I came out repeating a loop. You need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms just over and over. I must've said it like 200 times. You need to learn how to breathe. You need to do more mushrooms. You need to learn how to breathe. So when I finally sobered up, I was like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, mushrooms. I'm breathing right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but knowing the lethal dose is somewhere around four pounds, I wasn't really concerned about taking more. So a few mm-hmm. weeks later, um, letting my tolerance clear out, I did 10 grams. And another very intense experience. Um, but I came out repeating the same loop. You need to learn how to breathe and you need to do more mushrooms. You need to... It, Again, I must have said it about 200 times. Exactly. Mm-hmm. This time I was like, okay, let me just Google how to breathe. And if you Google how to breathe, you'll find a TED Talk and uh, multiple doctors talking about how, as a society, we've forgotten how to breathe. And mm-hmm. basically what's happened is because we're all sitting at desks and we're concerned about our bellies, we've started breathing with the upper half of our body instead of our diaphragm. And the reason these doctors are talking about it is there's actually a new illness that's happening where people's diaphragms have atrophy. So we're literally having elderly or having breathing problems just because they stopped using the muscle they have to breathe with their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard this before. So I was one of those people. And, and that's where things got really weird for me. How did I know that I didn't know how to breathe? Because mm-hmm. clearly at first five grams, I was confident, yeah, I'm breathing right now. What, what do you know, mushrooms? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact was, I was breathing wrong. 
physically. Mm -hmm. So the way I see it, there's only kind of two possibilities, and they're both pretty amazing. One is that the mushrooms helped me connect with something inside myself that knew that I wasn't breathing right, that was then able to communicate to me in very clear language, you need to learn this. Um, and if that was it, that, that would be pretty amazing. The other possibility, which is the one that I believe uh, after all the high dose experience that I work, I've done, is that there's actually, there were guides on the other side and they knew this was the very first lesson that I needed to learn moving forward. Uh, mm -hmm. work that I do. So um, I learned how to breathe and I went back and did more mushrooms, this time 15 grams. Um, it, this was a, another really intense experience, but this was the first time I started seeing entities coming through on the other side. Um, you know, this isn't blindfolded. This is walking around my house or <laughs> Kind of walking around. Crawling. <laughs> um, and, and actually seeing things that, that, but, you know, you wouldn't normally see them. Um, and out of that one, I came out repeating another loop. There's more knowledge to spread and you need to do more mushrooms. So at this point, I just done 15 grams of mushrooms and I'm like, who the hell is doing this amount of mushroom? What the hell's going on? Mm -hmm. um, I started Googling high-dose mushrooms, and that's where I came across Kalindi E. Mm -hmm. um, so happened he was uh, talking at a conference the next week in Portland, and I was able to go. So I went. I get to the conference. I walk in the door. The registration desk is to my right, and standing right in front of me is Kalindi. He's the first person who says anything to me, and he thinks he recognizes <laughs> me. All right, so just mind blown. Yeah. Um, but th that was a really good uh, conference and, and was all about uh, the spiritual use of plants. It, it really could have just been completely set up for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I came back from that and continued doing a couple more doses each time uh increasing by about five grams and getting a clear message along with you need to do more mushrooms uh until i got to 30 grams and the message at 30 grams was everything will be okay but not do more mushrooms so, <laughs> i bet you were probably pretty relieved at that point <laughs> i definitely was so um you know, since since then, I, I've sat for somebody doing really, really, really high doses. Uh, the highest yeah. dose was 146 grams. I think and I saw you. I think I saw you with your preparation on in, on Instagram. If I'm not uh, mistaken, I think I saw that there. I was like, I, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and he's still alive. You know. Um, his journeys are are his own, and it's really private. But uh, I was here to witness it, and he he did it in two doses. Um, you know, after coming out of one, going and drinking the rest of the tea. Um, but the, uh, the for me, the the comfortable. I, I mean, I can't even really say comfortable because some of these are the most terrifying experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, but the comfort zone is in the 15 to about 25 range that, that I do my, my work in. Wow. 
So I'm curious to to kind of get if I mean I know it's these are some of these things are so just from my own high dose experiences I know that some of them are are super ineffable, but um, I would assume that a dose this high of psilocybin would be almost to the point where you are your your responsibility in the in the journey would be taken away. It almost seems like it would just be you don't you can't on a lower dose you have the opportunity to get scared to struggle to fight back but i feel like uh once you pass into these really high registers of psilocybin most of the i feel like most of your own control or semblance of, of manipulation is going to be taken from you is that am i on the right track there or is um is it you know a, a little bit at first but not not really i mean what one of the keys to doing mushrooms in general and definitely the high dose is just it, accepting it you know, knowing that there's no way you you can struggle all you want, but it's not going to stop it. Um, mm-hmm. So even if you're seeing something terrifying, um, if you try to jump out the window, it's not going to go away. You know, yeah. it, it's it, it's very very important when you're in these these high dose spaces that you understand. You just don't but the uh, as you do more work with these, you gain more and more control. Um, in the, the last dose that, that I did a few weeks ago, um, you know, I, I was walking around my house using my phone, uh, not, not using my phone to like call people, but as a tool to record some videos. And uh, <laughs> at, at one point, one point the interface changed on my phone and I was hunting uh, fourth dimensional aliens with the technology. So you know, <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, there, as you become more skilled in using these high doses, there's a whole nother level that starts happening. Um, yeah. and, and you know, a lot, a lot of that's what Lindy used to talk about. I mean, unfortunately he's passed away now, but, you know, he, he was doing the high dose work for over 40 years, um, which I, I we, really we lost a very important person when he passed away. I agree. I agree. Uh, I felt the same way, um, although I'm not one of uh, a member of this initiated group of, of high dosers in that aspect. I always found not only his high dose uh, discussions fascinating, but I, I really found fascinating his work when, in as far as like uh as the inner city went, he was really into like urbanizing the, the psilocybin experience and all his martial arts stuff and all of his kind of ties to mythology and things. I always, I found him just to be a fascinating uh, character. And yeah, I really think we lost somebody with a lot more information for us to give us. And, and, uh, but maybe we can tap into that in some uh, unconscious realm, like, well, for, fortunately, there's a lot of recordings out there that, uh, of what he did. So I'm there, a lot of the knowledge isn't totally mm-hmm. gone with him passing. Um, and, and, you know, when you get into the, the work in these higher places, the possibility of going and visiting Kalindi on the other side and asking him things, I mean, that's, that's a real experience that you can have with these high doses. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it takes work. You're not going to just the, the first time you do it, be able to control it and be able to guide where you're going. 
Um, but there is a lot more uh, to the mushroom when you look at these higher doses, for sure. Um, so I'm also interested in this. I, from Just from looking through your, your online presence, it looked to me like you were a, a pretty high-dose cannabis guy, too. Were you utilizing pretty high doses of cannabis? Yeah, I, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, so one good that's a way to say it. yeah yeah um, my, my uh tolerance has gone down a little bit but at my height i was smoking about two ounces a day holy shit <laughs> that's pretty impressive um yeah man you know it's odd i've had some very profound uh, and i'm sure you have too if you're smoking that much and using edibles and using concentrates and things like that i've had some pretty profound experiences with just cannabis and i've had some pretty terrifying experiences with just cannabis as well um particularly high dose it tends to make me very like uh self-analytical and very introspective and kind of uh some points pick myself apart really and uh that's that's a useful tool for sure sometimes it's i think maybe my personality is to go a little overboard but uh do you think that there's a correlation between your high dose cannabis use and your interest in the high dose mushroom experience are you just kind of like an extreme person or where is that now, coming? I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, though. I could see how you could draw that conclusion. But actually, I really want to touch on what you just said, because um, to me, and one of the things that I talk about in the church, that is the religious use of, of cannabis. It's activating your inner eye. And the very first time somebody described this to me was basically what you just said, is every time they, they smoked, um, they felt like there was a giant inner eye looking in on them and telling every, everything that's wrong with their life. Well, that is the religious use of cannabis, is using that inner eye to both examine yourself and other things around you um, and religion. And that that's where <clears throat> the work that I do kind of ties mushrooms and cannabis together, because with these with these high dose mushrooms, you get what can only be described as spiritual visions. Um, you know, you you meet entities, you you get a ton of information in a relatively short amount of time. Um, so the the mushrooms really show you where cannabis lets you think and try to understand that. Um, so combining the two, you have a high dose experience, and then in the what people would describe as the integration phase is when I use the cannabis to kind of understand what I just saw. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, you said something earlier about utilizing psilocybin as kind of a, a tool to examine religion. Um, can you speak on that a little bit? What do you think is the correlation between these? Let's see. How can I frame this question? I, I've met a lot of people who have been who are experienced psychonauts who still hold to the fact that this is a, just a, a chemical interaction that's taking place in your brain. It's all happening in your head. There's no literal spiritual significance, although you may be having the experience of some kind of spiritual uh, sensation or spiritual experience. Um, and then there are people like me who I held that belief for a long time until I had a, an experience that can I couldn't quantify any other way 
it made no sense physically. It made no sense um, logically. It, it only made sense to be some kind of otherworldly interaction. Um, and I've I've had that experience for the first time uh, several years ago, and since then I've had it a few times um, on various substances. Um, do you think that the psychedelics are opening a gateway for us into that? What is the relationship relationship between the psychedelic and the religious experience? Yeah, it, well, okay. So let, let me just break a couple things down. So, you know, if if somebody um, ha- considers themselves a psychonaut, which, you know, I personally don't consider myself a psychonaut, um, but if somebody considers themselves a, a psychonaut and doesn't view this as religion, my gut says they haven't gone deep enough because if you if you go deep enough and you see these these entities appear and have conversations with you and you know the these intense spiritual visions um it's pretty clear that this is where religion came from right so as we were evolving our ancient ancestors monkeys would have found these mushrooms um and you know there there's I think it's something like 43 or 45 species of primates that today eat mushrooms. So it's it, it, there's no stretch in between, oh, do monkeys actually eat mushrooms? They, they do. So as we were evolving, we would come across these mushrooms. And if you're a hungry monkey and you find some tasty mushrooms, you're not going to just eat one or you're not going to just eat a little cap. You're going to fill your belly with them. And when you eat a large amount of these mushrooms, you see gods, you see entities coming through the other side that want to teach you things that speak your language, even if you don't speak language. So the likelihood that our ancient ancestors would have had these experiences, and this is what allowed us to believe that there is something more to this world, um, there's no doubt in my mind that that is where religion came from. Uh, in addition to that, you know, if we, you're, you're looking at the evolution aspect, um, you know, we, we went from a point of being able to grunt and point, um, which again, monkeys today, uh, I, I think some studies are showing that they can learn up to like 36 different words. You know, they have a very limited vocabulary, but how do you go from that to talking about abstract concepts like God and art um, and these different patterns, uh, it, you experience them, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you've experienced them, and now you you understand these things. And you, if you just saw God, you would probably feel compelled to try to help another monkey experience that. Um, so, from an evolutionary perspective. Uh, these are why we have religion. These are why we can talk about God. And in an experience-based belief, you know, this is, there there is nothing, there is nothing else that really can just instantly take you to that space. I mean, there, there are, other um, naturally occurring hallucinogens, but this is the easiest one. You don't have to mix it with anything. Um, and the mushrooms, when they're fresh, are actually really tasty. So the yeah. likelihood of, 
uh, of us just eating a handful of them, um, it, it's it's pretty much a guarantee that this is what how it happened. Um, yeah, to, you're speaking on the uh, the classic Terrence McKenna stoned ape theory. Um, and yeah, I like the taste of mushrooms too. A lot of people bitch about them. I'm like, man, they're not. They they kind of taste good. <laughs> fresh because the fresh, they're really good. I mean, a, a dry. I I'm not a big fan of the taste, but fresh. I mean, I could just see mixing those with eggs and having a really good omelet. I mean, they're they're tasty mushrooms. Uh, um, are you are you at all interested in uh, ayahuasca? Have you, you used know, DMT? I I am a big supporter of ayahuasca. It hasn't really, um, I, I haven't felt drawn to it. Uh, I mm-hmm. might do it someday. And, you know, DMT, uh, I do, I have some DMT I've been trying to experiment with, but um, I have asthma. And every time I take a good hit of DMT, it, it comes to a point where I'm, just not able to take the next few hits to get to the actual blast off. So, uh, yeah, probably I'll I'll end up doing some sort of, um, uh, ayahuasca type mix where I mix the DMT with an MAOI inhibitor and, and do it that way. Uh, but the work that I'm doing in the month, you know, there's still so much more work. There's so much I don't understand. Uh, I, I'm not, and, and this is why I don't really consider myself a psychonaut. I, I'm not, for me, it's not how many drugs I can try. It's let me try to understand, right? And, and sure. I understand cannabis really well. <laughs> and the mushrooms, I understand a lot. I, I'm still not um, where I'd like to be with with truly understanding them, but you know, again, Kalindi did this for 40 years uh, before he passed away. So I, I've, I've got a few more years of work. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've I, I've sat in a peyote ceremony before and uh, the shaman was kind of just or the road man. They call him the road man in these ceremonies. He was kind of just a they do portions where they kind of just hand down life lessons, whatever they're being led by the medicine to to share. And he was just sharing briefly something about peyote. And he was like, I know that. At the place I was at at the time, it was a church, a multimodality medicine church that offered um, ceremony and med- and uh, mushrooms and ayahuasca and yahe and bufo and pretty much any medicine that can be had. Um, and they would have various shamans actually come to the place from all over the world. So it was a pretty legitimate, in, at least in my understanding, pretty legitimate. It wasn't like there, there was one dude there just offering like 50 different medicines. Um, but the shaman who we were with was a native American, uh, road man. And he said, you know, I know you guys use a lot of different medicines here, some from the Amazon and, and these various other, uh, the toad medicine and whatnot. Um, he's like, I think that's well and good that you guys are, I guess, exploring these other medicines. But he said, I've spent my entire life with only peyote and peyote is the only medicine that I will ever need to explore because, for my entire life of exploration, I probably know less now than when I began, or at least I, I know the true amount more than when I began. Yeah, no. And, that, uh, I, so, I, 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 mean, I, I, 
I only ask about ayahuasca because ayahuasca was the one that really kicked the door off the hinges for me. And I had, before I drank ayahuasca, I had had many mushroom experiences, uh, but never really at the, I guess I just, what I was too resistant to go deep enough. And I was unwilling to take those high doses. And I had very, I had trips that really molded who I was and shaped my, my thought processes and, and helped me see myself more clearly and come to know my, I had a lot of profound experiences with mid range mushroom, uh, with psilocybin, but when you drink ayahuasca, you don't know how strong it is. And the shaman measures it out and he somehow knows what you need. And so whatever dose I took of ayahuasca was just a, so, such a massive experience. Um, you know, I kind of like, I kind of just try to, I, I don't know, all my psychedelic experiences prior to ayahuasca just paled in comparison. And then since ayahuasca, it's like majority of my psychedelic journeys are an extension or a continuance of ayahuasca even bufo my bufo experience which was bar none one of the most profound i've ever had uh it was almost like i came out of it and i was like okay that was the end of my ayahuasca ceremony that started like a year and a half ago and and it kind of just capped it off for me um dmt has always agreed with me uh for the my, my relationship with dmt has been relatively short probably three to four years but it's one of the psychedelic drugs that or psychedelic molecules that really i have a a good rep, rapport with at least i feel like that that doesn't mean i'm jumping and running to the jungle again to, to drink ayahuasca anytime soon because it was so intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the one of the things with ayahuasca that's, um, you know, it, is a, a little disappointing is, you know, it it is kind of a random mix. You know, they they're they can't tell you how strong it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I've heard of of people where the the ayahuasca they don't even feel it, and other people where it's like they drink two cups and they're sent off to another world but you know it, it's an ancient concoction of of two different plants and it actually could be multiple different plants because you need the dmt and the maoi inhibitor but you don't necessarily know how much of each of those is in it and then they boil it down to to make it more intense and to get it into this almost like thick uh substance but it, it's it's a hit or miss. Uh, you got to have the right people preparing it. You've got to have the right um, shaman to help guide you through it. And, and then even if you, you do get it right, um, the, the vomiting and the other physical uh, effects of it can be very intense to the point where you, you really can't do this by yourself. I mean, I, I have heard of people doing ayahuasca by themselves, but it, it just, it, it really doesn't sound like a good idea. No, from my experience, I would never recommend anyone try ayahuasca alone, or, um, and I certainly would never do it. Um, and that's not just to say that, like, I, for, for me, like, getting up off the floor was not an option. Um, but beyond that, there were things that were, were happening around me that were so bizarre and so uh, – I, I, there were points where I just, like, had to telepathically call out to the shaman, like, like 
with I couldn't even speak, but I was just like, please help me. Like, I know you will understand what's happening right now. Can you please fucking save my ass right now? And he would do this like breathing exercise thing in my direction. And, and he would finish with like this like sound like a sword coming out of a out of a sheath, like a and like whatever this like there was just a point where this demonic like evil shit was like converging on me and he did this little breathwork thing with the sword thing at the end and it just <laughs> dissipated and it was like it, we were on to the next thing which the intensity didn't slow down but there were just several times where uh i yeah if that shaman wouldn't have been there i don't know what was going to happen at that point because I, I just said hey look man i this ain't this ain't my cup of tea right here i need you to help me and he did <laughs> yeah well you know and that that's one of the one of the things with high dose mushrooms too is you know you're you're on your own so you, you have to you know if you are going to try these high doses you have to you have to be able to get through those sort of experiences on your own um which you know is easier said than done but uh, everything has to do with mindset, you know, knowing that you're not going to die. Um, you might be seeing some truly horrific things, but um, there's a reason why you're seeing those. You, you need to understand and you're not going to die. This is something that you need to get through. Um, you know, there, there's I, I don't really like talking about the details of a lot of my journeys, but there, there is. There are a couple that I have, and one of them was a, a journey that I took basically right after we were raided um, at, at the church in Oakland. And during that one, um, you know, it, a lot of things happened, but the mo most terrifying part was when a demon started materializing through my floor. I look at it and say, am I supposed to fight you? It looks at me. And it grabs me and pulls me into another dimension where I am with Satan watching him design his own reality. Um, so to say that was terrifying um, <laughs> is kind of an understatement. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's bonkers. But, you know, when you get into what I'm doing is really trying to understand religion. So... Here I was getting communication to try to understand this, this entity that represented itself as Satan uh, and what it did and why it's doing it. Um, if that's not religion, I don't know what is. Now, I, I'm not saying that, you know, <laughs> I, I started worshiping Satan after that, but trying to um, understand what led us to believe these sort of things and what might really be going on because you know uh, i i actually believe in basically all religions now uh in in different ways but any religion that is purely based on doctrine um has lost a lot you know and you look at the one of the biggest ones christianity and um you know, they they went from, you know, depending on what 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 research you want to do, there, there's some research that says the early Christians were actually using psychedelics. And 
it, it was only when the Roman Catholic Church took it over that they switched over to from this direct experience of God to no, this is what happened. You either believe what the Romans say or you die, right? And, and we've lost a lot of knowledge in that happening, you know, it, between what the church won't let us see and what the church, you know, the, the war on drugs was basically started by the Catholic church. You know, the, mm -hmm. the witches and the pagans, they were people using these sacraments to understand and experience their religion. And this was a problem because if you can experience the religion, you might learn something that differs from what we're trying to teach you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it's, <sighs> there, there's a lot more that I have to learn and there's a lot sure, more. Sure. But in my world, I'd love to see um, entire colleges set up to the religious studies of uh, really psilocybin, but all the different plants. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of, of knowledge there that we um, have lost in society. I agree. I agree. And I think a lot of that is the fear um, that, that the religious, um, that these religious cults have uh, bestowed upon us. Because I was raised in a very strict religious uh, upbringing, very right-wing conservative, uh, like Southern Baptist version of Christianity, which is one of the most stringent and bizarre versions of Christianity there is. Like, uh, just for instance, uh, I, my girlfriend, my current girlfriend here in Brazil, I was explaining to her just kind of things that in my upbringing were very normal to me, like how people speak in tongues and how people have these like uh, bizarre um, moments of of almost um, where they have almost like a spasm or they cry or they laugh. And it's like a psychedelic experience almost. It looks like if you've ever seen someone have an intense psychedelic experience, you can see a lot of these same, same things happening. Um, oh, but yeah. when I – when I was just generally explaining to her some of the things that happened in my church, which were very commonplace to me, uh, she was like, she was just blown away. She couldn't believe like how bizarre, to her it was the most bizarre thing in the world. And uh, I say that just to get around to the point that in, in this religion that I was raised in, it was very, everything was secondhand. Everything was not only from a secondhand book, but it was every every person who is in a position of authority or who is preaching or teaching had a different view on the exact same fragment of scripture. So, so some person could teach you one thing about this tiny fragment of scripture out of context in the first place. And then another person later in the day could speak on the same exact fragment of scripture out of context and have a completely different iteration of what they're saying. So for a grown adult, that's confusing. As a like a eight to twelve year old child, it's extremely uh, it's impossible to navigate that versus reality. And uh, I think the bastardization of that personal experience, that one on one experience that the psychedelic offers you, um, you don't need. There's no one there to translate. There's no one there to stand in in your stead. You have to face it yourself, and all of its glory and terror and, and all these emotions that come along with it um and now i feel like they just want to give us this dumbed down version you know because 
I don't know if it's if it's the the establishment wants to maintain control or if it's that people are just too scared to do it themselves. Well, I, I mean, it, there's definitely a little of both, but you know where it where it started with Christianity. I, I mean, Christianity has really been um, one of probably one of the worst things to happen to humanity because of what's you know the knowledge that's been destroyed by the Catholic Church. Um, basically trying to cover up other religions. I mean, that's, that's really the, the, the facts, you know, this isn't an opinion at this point. It's, they would go into cultures and they would see that, uh, these people were following other religions and they would say, well, that's all devil worship. And they'd burn the books and they'd kill the people that resisted and everybody else would be forced, um, to become a Christian. You know, so they, that uh, for me, that that's one of the big like issues with with a lot of these religions is you, you if you've experienced what I I've experienced, you could never imagine a religion saying you needed to kill another person or force that other person to believe what you believe. Um, you know, that's that's just completely wrong. Um but that's that's what Christianity did. Um, so you know now we're at this point of, you know, you, you just look look at Jesus. Um, what's the truth behind that? Because supposedly the Romans uh, crucified him, but then the Romans are the ones who went around killing people if you didn't believe in him. Yeah. So yeah. Where, where where's the the truth? Um, really in that situation and you know if you, you I, I don't know if you've seen the book um the immortality key yeah uh, but you were yeah. just i was about to bring that up uh because i was like if he hasn't read the immortality key he needs to read it <laughs> when i read it i was like whoa you're describing what i've been experiencing you know this is this is exactly um it, the truth you know that that there is a way to experience death before you die, um, which when you're talking about high dose mushrooms, that's that's definitely something that's there. And that's definitely something I mean, I've experienced death more times than I can count at this point. Mm -hmm. But to experience the other side before you go there is is extremely important. And, you know, there's there are religions that do it to this day through meditation and through other practices. But um, if that's not a component of the religion, actually experiencing and starting to understand and connect with your, with yourself that exists outside of time, um, you're missing something. You're missing something yeah. big. I agree with you. And I know we kind of got into this via a comment that I made about people taking psychedelics and and holding on to like an agnostic front and then you know because that was me i was a very even my psychedelics experiences because i think because well now i think this because they were low dose they almost solidified my near atheism they had put you know they they weren't enough for me to break through and see everything it was just enough to give me that brain candy hit and like make me think i was I knew something that other people didn't know. 
and uh, just kind of that ego build because the doses were too small. And then when I finally hit these threshold doses that really uh, uh, several experiences that really destroyed me and, and t tore me apart and then reassembled me um, that I that I realized my way of thinking was flawed and that I had been wrong, you know, and that uh, I was I was just wasn't right about a lot of core tenets of reality. Um, and those I've all I've explained all those many, many times on the show, so I won't go into them. Um, before I let you go, I've, uh, if you've got a few more minutes, I'm kind of interested to talk about your legal battles and the rating of your church and things like that, because I think that's information people would be interested in as well. I yeah. know that you were arrested, arrested once abroad and uh, you've had some other issues there. You want to speak to that at all? Yeah, I'm. I'm somebody that apparently likes to fight governments. I mean, that that's <laughs> been my thing for a while. Um, I I opened the first cannabis club in San Jose in 2009, um, expecting to get raided and thrown in jail. Uh, the first time I was ever raided for anything was this the the raid on the church uh, in 2020. But um, I, I've been I've been doing this for a long time. The case in the Czech Republic, which is what you talked about being arrested abroad, um, that was, you know, another really long story. But long story short, uh, I was caught with, um, I think, 18 grams of cannabis that I had brought with me from California. Um, I'm a medical medical patient, and they have medical marijuana laws out there, and they there was a big festival that called Canafest that goes on every year. And I had been to it a bunch of times. I was just, um, you know, honestly, I was hung over from the night before Trump had just got elected and my friend took me out and we drank way too much. Um, so I wasn't thinking straight and opened my jar of cannabis and a cop walked up and he's like, big problem. I'm like, this is my medicine. So uh, that started a case where I, I, you know, because they have medical marijuana laws and I was a medical patient, I demanded my medicine back. Um, four years later, uh, just a few months ago, we finally got the decision from the Supreme Court out there saying that uh, I shouldn't have been punished for a crime. You shouldn't have taken my medication. It is my human right to have my medical cannabis in the Czech Republic. Um, so again, four years of legal battling, but we won. And what that means is that if you are a medical cannabis patient from anywhere in the world and you can prove it and you're in the Czech Republic and you have your medical cannabis that you brought with you from that other country, they can't do anything. They shouldn't do anything. Um, you know, obviously, that's that's uh, for very specific cases. You've got to have your medicine with you. You have to have brought it. Um, you know, the, and it is yeah, legal that, to have your medicine in the Czech Republic. That's a pretty so, got to be a pretty scary situation to be in in the first place. I would assume. Um, I don't know what their what their drug laws are like in the Czech Republic, but it sounds pretty scary. Yeah. Um, it, it, they, they, the problem was the amount that I had, the amount, you know, the way their drug laws work. Actually, the Czech Republic had some of the best drug laws in the world for a long time. Um, it used to be 
you you can have less than a lot was the original language of the law. That, that's how. <laughs> As long as you didn't have a lot, if you, as long as you have less than a lot, then you're fine. Um, but that obviously wasn't working so well, so they they changed it. And currently, they have um, like a limit to everything. Like you can have ten grams of cannabis, you can have like four tabs of acid, you can have like three ecstasy pills. These, these are these are the exact right um, amounts, but they you can you can find it on the internet. There's a there's like a a list of how much of each drug you you're allowed to have on you. Yeah, it's the um, same. It's the same in Mexico. I just I spent a month in Mexico a couple months back, and uh, I was I had heard something about it on the news, drug legalization. And then you know I was in Mexico, and uh, I was interested in utilizing some drugs. So I was like, well, let me see which ones are legal and how much I can have because I don't want to go to jail in Mexico. <laughs> Well, and I really didn't want to go to jail in the Czech Republic, and that that was a potential consequence. Um, but uh, fortunately, that was also something the very first judge threw out. So it was um, there was no chance that I was going to jail. But it was it was about a um, uh, two thousand dollar fine, and they were going to banish me from the country for like five years or something like that. Jesus so, Christ. Uh, so did they? Did I, you get your yet. nugs back? Uh, no, I I haven't yet. Um, but the, what what I'm still trying to do is actually get all the money I spent um, on fighting the case back because I should be able to do that. And sure, if sure. I can do that, what, what I've talked to my lawyer about is we're actually going to. I'm not going to keep the money. I'm going to put it in a, a legal fund for people that. Um, run into problems with medical cannabis in the Czech Republic. So yeah, hopefully I, I can that. get that money back and, and I can put it into something that can help other people. Um, because just, just because I won the case doesn't mean that the average cop on the street is going to know about it and is going to do something different. You know, the, yeah, yeah. this is the, the, it's one of the problems with the way the law works is you got to prove you're right. And I proved I'm right. So now other people can prove they're right, but they'll still, potentially yeah. have to prove it sure so, but, you, but you did you are able to set a precedent for yeah. you know like an unprecedented situation um why don't you tell me a little bit about your raid and then uh, we'll kind of like l- let people know where that how they can support your endeavors and, and get to know about the church and all that kind of stuff yeah so the raid happened in uh august of 2020 um it was done by the oakland pd not the state not the feds just pure Oakland PD, which, um, you know, it, it is one of the big things people are a little confused about. And honestly, we, we were confused about, um, I, I expected to get raided from, from the moment we opened up, but I didn't expect the Oakland police would be the ones to do it. And, you know, what, what's been going on is in 2004, Oakland passed a lowest priority for cannabis and ever since then, there's been uh, adult use cannabis clubs known as Measure Z clubs um, in Oakland. And a group of uh, a small group led by one man in Oakland PD has been raiding these clubs. What they do is they go in, they take all the money, they take all the product, and they never really press any charges. They just basically they rob you and pocket the money. And 
nobody ever reports on this stuff. Um, you know, it just quietly disappears, but it's been happening since 2004. So that same group, um, did that to us and, you know, they, they expected the same thing to happen. Nobody would talk about it. There wouldn't be, you know, any news reports, they would just be able to keep the money and we would disappear. Um, they didn't know what they were stepping into. You know, we, we expected this from day one. And uh, the fact that we're the only um, church providing mushrooms probably in the country, uh, they, it made some big news. So we're in the next uh, couple months, we are filing a lawsuit against the Oakland Police Department for violating our religious freedom. And this is going to be a federal lawsuit. So, you know, that it's the potential here is if we actually win the case, which there's a good chance we will, if we win the case, local police will really have to think twice about raiding a church providing amphiogenic plants. Uh, you're on mute. Ah, I keep forgetting about that. Thanks for letting me know, man. Strong work you're doing there, dude. Um, yeah, I, I I read up on some of your stuff, and uh, I think you're doing a really I think you're doing a really good work that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, myself included, are happy to have these experiences, and maybe even you know, with my platform, I share things about them more so than the average psychedelic user. But a lot of people aren't willing to go into these high-dose psilocybin experiences, let alone battle the government of the Czech Republic and the United States government, you know? So that's, you know, that that's, that's there's a lot to be said there for you as an advocate uh, for these plants and these medicines. So I appreciate your work, man. And I'm going to be paying attention and I really hope that pans out. And I think it will because uh, I think it's the right thing. So. I mean, I, I'm only doing it because I believe it's the right thing. You know, the, yeah. this... It, Fighting the government is not a way to make money, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no shit. There's definitely people that that have looked at what I'm doing and try to say that that's that's the only reason we're doing it, um, but that's not the reason at all. You know, the yeah. the goal is to provide access to these and make sure people have protection using them because it's mm -hmm. you know as as far as I'm concerned, the mushrooms are where religion came from in the first place. They are the, the most true part of what religion really is. And they need to be used and they need to be studied and people need to have access to them. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, you know, I can only imagine and envision a future where uh, more people are utilizing these medicines and coming to these understandings uh, about them and what that would mean for law enforcement in general and the uh the the political climate of America in general, uh, where would we be if those in authority were having these kind of one-on-one -on -one experiences with uh, something greater than themselves, whatever that may be, a uh, highly subjective experience? Um, but I don't think it's a stretch to say anybody taking these these high these higher doses are are going to be reaching a point a a a source greater than themselves. I know that I have. And it sounds like you have as well. Um, so I look forward to that day and hope that maybe we're seeing 
through through these kind of actions that you're taking, maybe through platforms like this podcast and and you know this whole kind of psychedelic third wave that maybe we're gonna see uh, a world like that slowly begin to come to fruition. And it seems hopeful right now, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it, me too. I mean, you know, really, if if everybody in the world could truly understand that we are all one, the world be a much better place. I mean, there there is no difference between race. There is no difference between political thought. There there's uh, where you grew up in the world. I mean, we're we're all part of the same thing. Trying mm-hmm. to understand what it is. Yep, I agree with you. Um, why don't you tell uh, listeners here uh, where they can follow you on social media, where they can uh, support the church, where they can find out more information, just anything that you'd like people to be able, anywhere you'd like people to be able to find you at? Well, you can, you know, I, I do most of my posting on Instagram. E- eventually I will move over to Twitter, but, you know, it's Instagram's kind of a, a smaller, safe place for me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's Dave Hemp. So at Dave Hemp, um, and you can find, uh, our church in Oakland at zidedoor.com. That's like side with a Z, Z I D E door.com. Um, and our GoFundMe is also GoFundMe slash Zidedoor. Um, we will be filing suit really soon and it, it's, it's going to be expensive, um, I, I'm not counting on people's donations to make it happen. We're going to make it happen no matter what. But, you know, the estimates are that it could take up to four years and cost somewhere around $4 million. So, Holy fuck. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 it's not easy. It's not cheap. It, it, it's yeah. not quick. Um, but I'm committed to making it happen. And it's um, it's something that I believe in more than anything else. So, wow. yeah. Dave Hemp on Instagram, Zidor.com, or GoFundMe slash Zidor. Yeah, thank you, man. And I will make sure that I post all those links in show notes and pr- when I promote all this, so that it's at least put out on and all the platforms that I that I'm have access to. Uh, dude, awesome. oddly enough, right after I started following you, my Instagram got deactivated. It's probably your fault, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. After all the crazy shit I posted on there, it was probably you that got me kicked off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Dave, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you, man. Uh, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep watching because I think you're you're doing some really good work. I appreciate the work you're doing, and uh, not just your work, but the the high dose stuff is super interesting, man. Keep at it. You're a brave. You're a brave man. You're going places where no one's gone before, you know. So there's something to be said for that. <laughs> thank you yeah thank you man take good care of yourself all right ladies and gentlemen dave hodges of the church of ambrosia thank you so much for coming on the show dave um like i said another great interview another fascinating character i love doing this dude i I love interviewing these people who are on the you know even in the psychedelic community on the fringes uh and I don't mean that in any negative sense. It's just that this guy is starting churches and fighting legal battles and taking 30 grams of mushrooms at a time. Like, just just a, a metaphysical and a psychedelic badass and warrior. So thanks, Dave. Uh, really cool dude. Um, you can follow him on social media, at Dave Hemp. Uh, that's Instagram. 
He's also got a website for the Church of Ambrosia. I believe it's Zidor, um, Z-I-D-E, Door. Um, I'll link all this in the show notes. Um, he has a like, uh, like a, a link all I'll drop in the show notes, and it has his articles of him, his legal battles, uh, all of his uh, all of his activism stuff. It's he's he's got it pretty well put together. So I'll link that for you guys. Uh, with all that being said. We really appreciate you joining us for another interview segment of the show. Let's do our quote and get on out of here. We'll leave you with this gem from uh, one Jerry Garcia today. To get really high is to forget yourself. And to forget yourself is to see everything else. And to see everything else is to become an understanding molecule in evolution, a conscious tool of the universe. Thank you once again for joining us, Psychedelicasters. We appreciate it. And thank you for spending your time with us in the attempt to pry open the third eye. We'll see you next time. We love you. Take care of yourselves.